Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. I am really excited about today's guest who has 20 years of leadership experience and leadership development. We're going to be really digging into this because she spearheads all learning and development and business building programs at eTech Global Services, a multinational organization of over 3,000 employees located in the United States, Jamaica, and India. She aligns and integrates leadership development with the company's mission and objectives and drives efforts to identify high potential individuals and conduct leadership development, coaching, mentoring, performance management, career and development planning for the organization, which is a mouthful. Well, she's certified as a master life coach and a John Maxwell team facilitator. Outside of eTech, she teaches leadership and innovation to young leaders. She's dedicated 13 years as a youth director, communicating to today's teens, college students, and other families around the message of leadership. So please welcome today's guest, the Dean of Leadership Development at eTech Global Services, Melissa Wood. Hi, Melissa. Can I just call you Dr. Leadership? <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll just go. Just call me Dr. Gary one time and then we'll move okay. on to Gary. Okay, How's Dr. That? Gary, thank you for that intro. That was. That oh, was there good. we go. All right. Now that we've, we've finished that. So, listen, you got to tell me a little bit about your path on how you got to be the Dean of Leadership Development. When I saw, I've never seen that before. I thought it was freaking awesome and uh, just was really excited when, when, I got your name from Jim Ayub, your chief customer officer who's been on this program. Tell me about your path. Talk a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, first, I didn't pick that title, Dean. We have an extremely innovative company, and they dreamed up that title. So they're, they're pretty hilarious, but I, I do appreciate it. So my path, just like everybody else's path, I'm sure uh, ran, fall down, jump up, walk a little, move backwards. That's my path. But in my history... I worked for a Fortune 500 company called Alliance Data. You probably haven't heard of them, but they help the best companies in the world do what they do best. That's pretty much the best way to explain to them. I worked in the operations field. I got my first taste of leadership at an early age. Well, you know how one day you're working and the next day you're a leader? So that kind of happened to me. Like, yeah, so tell me, tell me when that happened. When, I mean, you know, what, what day was that? Oh my gosh, I was 19 years old, so still a teenager. And I worked a night shift. It was in a collections company, Alliance Data. And I said, you know, there's a leadership position that came open. I said, why not? So I applied for it, got the day shift supervisor with the oldest tenured team in the company's uh, history. So good morning, the teenagers in charge of the, uh, of the team. So that was Talking about lead today, boss tomorrow. So tell me about that first day. When you walked in that first day, what did that, what, 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 can you think back on what you were thinking, what you were feeling, especially what were, were you nervous that day? Were, were you excited? What, what was it? What do you think? You think I was nervous? That's great. You were scared. 
to death. Come on. You know, we can get on this podcast and act like, oh, I had it. I read a book the night before. I almost quit. Literally almost quit. I was scared to death. But no, they were they were kind to me. But you think about walking into a group of collections, mindset, hardcore team. I think that the probably the youngest tenure of of being with a company probably had been 10 years. And I had 22 people on my team. You know, I'm just born. I'm just 19 years old. I, to them, I was just born yesterday, right? So what I thought was uh, nerve-wracking was looking back was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because you think you talk about wisdom and you talk about insight and they just kind of surrounded me, just poured into me as a leader. Told me what not to do, where not to walk, where not to step. And so that was that was really helpful to me in my career. So what are a couple of the things that, you know, that you even think about today, going back to those days that, you know, are just like ingrained in you that says, I'll never forget that because you learned at such a young age. You know, I have a sense of humor, so I, I try to. I remember a, a, a lady on the team, she said, so you got the supervisor position. I thought, yes, ma'am, I did. And she said, well, let's be very clear. She pulled her glasses up and she said, the title is supervisor, but you're by no way the leader on this team. Okay. All right. And she said, we'll show, she said, there are leaders on this team that you don't even know yet. That was a pretty aha moment to me to understand that I may have the title, but I don't have the position, if that makes sense. Did you understand what she meant? Not really. I kind of had a little insight, but it took me some time to understand that there were true leaders on that team. And I wasn't one of them at that, at that moment. It was going to take a lot of relationship building, some trust to influence the leadership, ownership, if you will, of that team. So how did you how did you build that team? How did you earn the trust? What what are the steps that you took? And and really when how long did it take you to realize that you really weren't in charge? You know, when you're not team and you have a title, you think you're in charge. Is that you know, you think you're just in charge. So I'd like to say, you know, that within a couple of months I just realized that I had all this wisdom and I was gonna do phenomenal, but it took me uh, a couple of years, maybe more. I, I learned, I kept learning things as we go, but there was a, a lady that brought me in her office. Her name was Elsie and she had been with the company for 30, 37 years. I think she said she was my boss at the time. And she said, Melissa, you are going to be very successful. Cause I thought if we were very successful, then I was the leader. I would gain, you know, their trust. If we were very, if I helped them to make money, then we would be, we'd be number one, we'd be successful. So she said, Melissa, you will be very successful. You're very driven. And I was like, oh, yeah, here comes my raise. This is it. You know, and she was just yeah. me up. And then she looks at me and she said, I'm about to retire. And I was like, okay, she's going to offer me her job. This ought to, this ought to be. <laughs> so she said, you're going to be really successful. And she said, I just, I have a yield sign for you. And I said, a yield sign? And she actually held up a picture of a yield sign. And that was, that was important to me being a visual learner at the time. And she said, at the end of this journey, wherever that may be, it's not a question if you're going to be successful. It's when you look back, how many dead bodies are you going to see? <laughs> and I was like, what is she talking about? And then it really, it really made sense to me that, you know, although I was really being successful and really, I was trying to plunge forward to be a success and I wasn't paying attention to the case. I left behind me when she meant by dead bodies, obviously she just meant relationships in the way. So I think at that moment, that was a, that was a good turning point for me. An aha moment is 
who I was becoming is not who I really wanted to be. That makes any sense. And I I really didn't want to be that person. So it it helped me to refocus, if you will, get my priorities in order. Yeah. You, you weren't doing as well as you thought you were doing, right? Absolutely. That's everybody's story. I'm sure. Especially when we're young. I mean, you, you know, you're working hard, you're doing, you're doing things. And, and when, when you said it took me, you know, a couple of years, well, maybe longer, I tell people this all the time. I said, without any kind of leadership development, which you and I are going to talk about here in a minute, it takes five to 10 years to become mediocre. Yeah. Even if that, even if that for sure. Right. Cause we're still yeah. learning, you know, and everybody's journey is just depends. Yeah. Okay. So where did you go from there? Are you, you were a supervisor. You thought you were going to get the, the promotion. <laughs> Doggone it. It just didn't happen. And so where, where did you go from there? You made me go back quite a few years. I won't, we won't talk about my age. That'll be on the next podcast where I went from there. I tried, you know, try to be successful still at every leadership position that I had really started getting curious into learning about how to invest into others. That became really important to me is how to invest in others. And, you know, I can't really say a lot of too much about Alliance Data. They were a phenomenal company and they just saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And they just took me under their wing and started teaching me about leadership development. And it was just intriguing to me about how when you add values to others, that that's really the legacy that you, that you want to leave. So they just started pouring into me in operations field from a human resource. They took me in their management intern program and just started pouring into me a lot of education. I probably went to, uh, you know, Gary, you and I, we offer all these workshops, right? And back in the day, yep. we would go to all these Fred Fryer skill path, everything that you could think of. And I think I kept a tablet at one time. I probably had over a thousand workshops. I just could not get enough of this stuff. I was just just intrigued by you know, just the communication strategies and the conflict strategies and how to hold people accountable and how to do it with a heart and mind balance, those things. So that led me to being with that company for 14 years. I stayed with that company and, and then I had a wonderful opportunity to semi-retire at home and start doing a lot of my, my teen leadership development for the youth. Been doing that for, for years as well. And then I met this wonderful man named Matt Rocco and I was not interested in working anywhere full-time for sure. I made a, a commitment to my husband to, to stay here as our kids graduated through, uh, through high school. And so I talked to Matt, someone matched us up and they said, just sit down and talk to him. So I sat down and talked to him and he started telling me about these, the servant leadership mindset that he had for this company called eTech. And he also told me about these character commitments and Gary it was pretty cool. He had them handwritten down. You know how I am about hand, you know, handwriting. So he had these character commitments handwritten um, on a sheet and he said, I want to infuse the leadership in this company with, with character. And I need some help. And I said, hey, I'll help you for about a year. I can help get a program together for about a year. Came home, talked to my husband, said it's not going to be a ton of work. And I'll just do it for a year. And I think I just celebrated 13 years with this company, having a absolute blast. So that's where I am today. And I'm still on this outside of ETEC. I use those same principles and philosophies with 7th through 12th graders and all the way through their college students. I'm able to invest in them and pour into them some of the greatest leadership qualities that I've learned over the years. So just just so people know, Matt Rocco is the president CEO and was the CEO then of uh, eTech Global Services. And what got me to you was a conversation with Jim Ayub, the 
customer officer, and then uh, with Kayleen, your COO, and then Matt, and everything kind of led my path to you, which when I'm talking to them about leadership and the stuff we do at Staterius, I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go. I'm going to get pushed over to HR and talk to this leadership dean, whoever. And the conversation that you and I had was such a joy because you and I started talking about this passion that we have for leadership. And, you know, what you said, this curiosity of how to invest in others, that's the phrase that, that you used. And, and then I'm assuming that this curiosity then morphed into a, a really clear understanding of your philosophy around leadership and leadership development. And well, you and I ended up, I think, having to stop talking when it got dark out and, and our philosophies about leadership. Talk to me a little bit about what you've done at at eTech to support the culture, because what I've been so impressed with the culture in Matt's um, vision of that and how you as a leadership team have invested in your people to create a culture of character that Matt started with and how, how you helped do that. You know, I get, you know, I think the reason why you and I had so much fun is I don't know any other way, but to say it. that's just, that's, that's part of the way that I operate. I really think that a lot of times we try to sound really smart we try to make things really complicated, right? And and that's this doesn't work. This absolutely doesn't work. So um, I guess if you're looking for some elaborate plan that we had, yes, we've got some extremely talented people on our team. But my philosophy was keep it practical, keep the practical application, keep it simple. So what we're looking for, and the way I say it is, we're going to teach it to your head. And we're going to help you understand it with your heart. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what I love about what you just said, though, is, is make it straightforward, practical, applicable, and simple. I can. Uh, I've, I may have said this story in the past. I don't know if I talked to you, but when I worked for Scott Paper, they had some PhD come in, and they were teaching this 24-step problem-solving methodology. And I can remember you know, going to the workshop and learning this and thinking, you've got to be kidding. By the time I go through this process to make a decision, the building is going to burn down. I mean, in, you know, it, we're not even going to know that the building's burning. And, and, and I push back a little bit. And of course, because it was this cultural change and he's smarter than I am, the PhD, the doctor and so on, I basically got shut down. Okay. So by the way, three years after I left Scott Paper, they got sold to Kimberly Clark and they were in a lot of trouble. And I, th- I, I think it was because they had this very complicated 24-step decision-making model. Because I, I will tell you, Melissa, they made great decisions. They just made two of them a year. And as you know, in a company, you know, you got to make more than two decisions a year. So I love what you're saying about keeping it simple. So what, what are some of the things, what are... If somebody's listening to this and they say, gee, what I need for leadership development, what would you tell them in terms of the practical approach that you've taken to develop leaders? What are some of the things that you do with your teams, with your participants in your leadership program? How do you go about doing this? Okay, So we we stood firm on the type of leadership that we wanted in our company. I think you have to be really crystal clear, you know. I, I'm a country girl at heart, and I believe in the. There's a song lyrics that say that you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. There's tons of leadership development programs out there, but you have to stand for something. You can't be, you can't be moved by the next big shiny object. You've got to stand for something. So I think that is the key at that point. Is when we say we are a servant, a servant led company. That's our roots. 
That's who we are. Every decision, every program, you know, everything that we do is based on those roots, that foundation of a servant-led company. So that's one. You need to have a foundation of what you believe in. And then you have to have some practical application of what does that look like? What does it look like to be a servant-led company? See, it's that simple. What do we stand for? What's it look like? So we, you know, Matt had put these 12 character commitments and people call them their values and all those great things. And they put them on the wall and send out cute little cards and everything. And yeah, we've done all those things, but we said, here is what humility looks like. Here's what adaptability looks like. Here's what integrity looks like. So we, we went through all the character commitments and we just kind of, we just infuse the company with those character commitments. And when you become a, a leader and you, when we say character commitments, that means I'm committed to being a servant leader through living out these character commitments. And then we teach those character commitments and what it looks like and how you apply those practically. So that's where we start. That's our foundation. And you ask, what are some programs that we put together? Well, every single program that we put together You'll get a foundation of servant leadership and those character commitments are infused in every single thing that we do. So what we we put a program together and they're called our five pillars of leadership development. And we said, okay, first pillar, we got to build our big strength, right? That's our aspiring leaders. We're going to pour into people that are not even leaders yet, right? We're going to pour into them what servant leadership is, what these character commitments um, look how, how they can live them out as an agent, right, as an employee. And that way it won't be uh, strange to them when, when and if they become a leader. So we have a great pillar um, that we do for aspiring leaders. And then when we have new leader assimilation is pillar number two, meaning when you become a leader, you pour in all sorts of training and all the things you do, Gary, and, and leadership development, we teach them those things as a new leader. You know, then you learn your compliancy things and, and all those great things. Great things. Then we have a coaching suite would be our third pillar of education. And just probably at this point has become our most robust suite of coaching, taking people from where they are to where they want to be. Well, coaching is just, you know, you and I have talked about this, but coaching is the, it's to me, it's the number one interpersonal skill of leadership development. Okay. It's the number one skill. So to have it as one of your pillars makes all kinds of sense. Cause as we say, the principle is to learn how to ask questions, not answer questions. And, and then we have a model of uh, three levels of questioning, problem solving and mindset where we get them down to the level, a simple approach that says, how can we ask questions that are holding people back? That's the, the really the, the deepest level of coaching is to teach people how to ask those questions. And it's, it's kind of fun. I'm sure you've seen this where you, you take a young leader and say, you're going to learn how to coach and they're very excited about it. And the first thing they think about is their, their, their sports coach, their volleyball coach, their football coach. And they think, I'm going to start telling you what to do. You know, no, that's not a business coach. It's just the opposite. <laughs> so I probably should have told you earlier, my ultimate dream in life was to be the first NBA basketball coach for a male's basketball team. So I find it very strange now and funny and wonderful that I get to coach. But coaching is exactly what I thought it would be, is telling people what to do than to actually bring it out the best of they, who they can be at this point. So I am a coach. I just didn't make it to that NBA. Never, never yeah. could. I couldn't slam dunk. So whatever. Well, I, I can, but I need a trampoline. <laughs> <I'm> just, 
I'll try that one. So what's the fourth? Yes. It's a continued education. And this one's a, this was really blooming. I would say this is where you just offer a suite of any extra development that someone may would may need. We do an e-tech specifically. We get at the end of each year, we say, what do we want to accomplish in 2000, you know, in the next five years? And then we say, what are some leadership skills? So we keep it very simple. What are some leadership skills that we want to infuse throughout our company in the following year? And then what happens when with leadership development, we come in and we make sure we're in the heartbeat of your IT team. We're in the heartbeat of your HR team. We're in the heartbeat of your operations team, your facilities team. So everything that we do, we're making sure that we're in the heartbeat of what they need. So that's what we do in continued education. And then you'll see a, a free form library where people can just go out and, and scroll extra developments. So they can raise their lid. Have to have to show my John Maxwell when he calls talks about the law of the lid. You know, we have to raise our mm-hmm. people can to come on board with that. The fifth pillar of education, I think, it's our secret sauce. I'll tell you. Shh, don't tell anybody. Wait, wait, wait for it. Drum roll. Ready? Yeah. It's it's called zoned reinforcement. It's actually where we make sure what we teach is being applied. Are you serious? Really, Melissa? Are you kidding me? You know how much you? And this t- is something that you and I. This is something reinforcement is something you and I talked about. This is the the most challenging thing for most training development organizations. You know, to to reinforce this, to keep it going. And you've got some really uh, cool ideas on what you do to get people to apply and reinforce what they're, what they're taught. How do you do that? Well, or, or do you not want to, is this like I'll intellectual you, property? You can't. I'll give you, I'll give you one that's working really well. It's called hit session. H I I T. You know, when you were working out, you did those high intensity impact training sessions where you're on the treadmill, you know? So what we'll do is we'll, if we're going to focus, we're going to do a zone reinforcement on a specific area of coaching, maybe setting expectations. Then we'll come in and we'll do hit sessions just on those setting expectations of coaching. And we'll just we'll just go in and we'll just make sure we're in the heartbeat of every leader in that company for that quarter or that month or whatever we've agreed to do, doing zone reinforcement hit sessions over that particular topic. And then in those hit sessions, it's just not us, you know, professoring it up. It's us giving scenario-based training, case studies, mm-hmm. them do it, those types of things. So you just like show up at the at the uh, call center one day and say, "All right, everybody, you know, it's like the the SWAT team swings in and and it's a hit team. Uh, you don't even let them know you're coming, right?" I love it. I love it. We wear all black. It's really cool. It's really yeah. Cool. yeah. They know. They just instead of running away, they run toward us. That's when you know you're doing something. <laughs> that's, that, that's your uh, your uh, net promoter score when they run towards you rather than away. You know, you know, you got it. That's great. No, with all, with all things virtual now, it's it's actually really easy, these hit sessions, because people really need toning up. I talk a lot about our leadership muscles and being healthy, right? And it, that's important to me to be healthy inside and out. So we talk about being a healthy leader for sure. And I know you and I talked about mindfulness and, and being healthy. So these hit sessions really tone up specific areas that we need help in. It is a complicated 24 step 24 step plan as my as my friend paul becker would say he's a former admiral in the navy everything's in threes it's three steps what can you do in three steps okay and i tell you 
go in and you start doing hit sessions over trying to follow uh, up with people, trying to hold someone accountable, trying to give feedback, trying to resolve conflict on how to brainstorm. You know, you start doing hit sessions over that stuff and you'll start seeing behaviors change. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we talked about that um, one of the things that we do is we have people write stories between their training sessions in this leadership program. And you and I talked about this and you, you, you gave me an idea and you said, well, what is, one of the things that we do is we have people submit a video and, and they tell a story in the video of how they've applied some of this, which I thought was such a cool idea because somebody can do that in a couple of minutes. It doesn't take them a lot of time. That would be great for me because I'm a horrible writer. So uh, this would be awesome, you know. But I, I just thought that was such a great idea. to, and, and then you can share that video across, you know, a lot of people so that they, you can learn from each other, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just a, just an example, like on some of these book clubs that we do, a lot of the books that we, we choose to do book clubs over, like uh, Trusted Advisor for my great friend Andrea Howe um, and Charles Green, we have, we'll have them facilitate a chapter, but then they do a quick minute video or a two minute video of how they've applied that specific, those specific learnings. And at the beginning, you know how, when you're watching a, a, a movie that's to be continued, you know, sometimes these book clubs will kind of linger on. So we'll show those videos at the beginning of the next book club to see that not only did we read it, here's what we did with the practical application. And you're right. They can go back and archive those videos, remind themselves, send it to friends and family, you know, those types of things. So it really, the video, uh, works works really well for all of us yeah yeah it's kind of you're reminding me at the next show it's uh it's kind of a recap here's what's happened so far right and we'll go to the next thing so where do you go from here i mean you, so you've got these pillars and you've got this stuff got and, and i want to i want to argue with you about something because i i know and understand what you mean by servant leadership and i i understand the intention and and you and I might have talked about this. I don't I don't remember, but I talked to people about this. This is such a uh, cliche in a lot of ways, a servant leadership. However, I you know I don't want to diminish what you and and Rocco and uh, or Matt Rocco and the rest of the leadership team have done in the intention of servant leadership. But I want to also clarify because I tell people it's not servant leadership; it's service leadership. Because a servant can be viewed as somebody that would do something for you that you don't necessarily need. And a leader should never do for some to, to somebody for something they don't necessarily need. You know, should always let people live up to the level of competency so that they can move from there and get better. Because when we do something for somebody that they can do for themselves, we're actually demeaning them. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about that? If I were to challenge you and say, I think it should be service leadership, not servant leadership. Then I think what are your this, thoughts? I think this podcast just jumped up a level when you and I can challenge each other. It's about to get good. Everybody stay tuned. It's about to go down. We are Dr. Gary and Melissa Wood are are at it right now. So, you know, I, I told you that uh, we uh, you got to stand for something or you fall for anything. You know, I always like to make these song quotes and I say we we were servant leaders before servant leaders were cool. You know, th- those types of those of, types of things. Servant leadership, I do believe that when you, exactly what you said, you kind of stole my words. If you are doing for someone else what they should be doing for themselves, that is interference. That goes at home. That's at work. If you're doing something for someone that they should be doing for themselves, that's interference. If you're helping someone that they cannot do for themselves, 
then that's serving them, right? So to me, you take that same mindset and you, when you're trying to be a servant leader, you're not doing for others things that they should be doing themselves. Here, let me, let me fill out that report for you. Here, let me get on that phone for you. Here, let me, you know, let me look at your P&Ls and show you what to do here. That would be interference. So we're very clear about interference and servant leadership. Servant leadership is really putting ourselves second and those we lead first in our hearts first. That helps us when we're making decisions about the company, about payroll. You know, you talk about benefits. You're talking about anything we do, uh, incentive structures, you know, where we have company holiday, you know, holidays. So when we put others needs first, then that helps us to become the servant, the servant leader. Yeah. So in essence, um, we're, we're playing, we're playing with words here when we talk about service versus servant, but we're saying exactly the same thing. And I think that that should be clear that uh, when we do this, when I talk to leaders and they say, I want to be a servant leader, I say, well, what do you mean by that? Because without your explanation, it can be mis- misinterpreted. You know, well, I'm there for my people and I'll do whatever I, I need to do for them. And I'm like, no, that's that's not that's really not the intent. But the intent is to be there to serve them where they need help, where they need support, where they need to be not distracted from things that they shouldn't be doing and so on. And you and I are saying exactly the same thing with two different words. And, and I, I always I, I love having this conversation with uh, with leaders. It's great stuff. You know, I think I can give you some of that practical application for our listeners. You know, I talked to you about those character commitments that Matt Rocco brings up as he thought about servant leadership. And I'll give you an example. One of those character commitments is courage. All right. So, you know, you're thinking about I'm a servant leader. And how do I have courage being a servant leader? I thought I'm just supposed to, you know, someone might have a misled mindset about how to be a servant leader and still having courage. Well, courage, when we talk about how, what does it look like in a company to have courage? That means holding people accountable when it's hard to do so. That's servant. That's service. That's servanthood. You know, we've had to have some crucial conversations with people when they're out of line, right? Most people think, well, if I'm a servant leader, I can't do that. No, if you are a servant leader, you will do that. So I hope that helps to clarify that. It, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And one of the things that you said that are really important that people should understand is whatever your your values, your character values of your organization are and the work that that you've done at ETEC and, and, and Matt has done is the clarification of those values, not just as a definition, but as a description of the behavior. And is is extremely important so that leaders can go out and do the job that they're expected to do, which is to be able to reinforce those values, which I tell people all the time, the values are there to guide your behavior. The mission is there to guide your decisions. And that's what you've been able to do at eTech and uh, why I've, I'm, that, why I've had four people on my podcast from eTech because it's such a great organization. I love it. I know you're like, Melissa, you have to say that. No. I'm telling you, it's real. You know, you and I have just connected. We had such a good time together. And we're still having a, a great time. It's like that. Jim, he's, we have, we laugh a lot at work, right? We have fun. Do we argue? Absolutely. Do we, do we have difference of opinion? Absolutely. But our hearts care, right? Because we have heart leadership. So working with Jim, you met with Jim. He's absolutely brilliant. He's, he's probably the innovative human that I've had the opportunity of working with. 
Matt, smart, genuine, cares. He is non-bending when it comes to this character, right? Kayleen, she is like a sponge. She absorbs this information. You got a chance to talk to her. Absolutely phenomenal about making sure that this information uh, is lived out, not just talked out. You know, talk smart, do smart. She believes in doing smart. Yeah, and when you have a, a leadership team that has the, the talent, the skill, and the respect, then only good things can happen. That's just the way it is. And the thing that I love when I first talked to Jim and he introduced me to the rest of the team, I, I got to talk to Matt very early on in during this pandemic. And he talked about the five stages and what we're going through in the pandemic and got that message out to everybody very early. And if anybody wants to hear what he had to say, just go back to, uh, I think it was April in one of my shows. And, and Matt talks about those, uh, those uh, topics that he covered in a blog and we made it real on this program. And it was really, it's just really some great stuff to listen to. If you want to hear what a leader talks to his people about through this kind of a crisis and the commitment that he made and you all have made to the employees and trying to make things relatively stable within the organization. I'm not going to say normal, but stable so that you could continue to provide service to your clients. And the, the comment that I remember from Matt is that he, he shared with me and Jim shared with me was um, when all this is coming down is him just kind of looking at the team and saying, well, you've been training for this for the last 10 or 15 years. Now go make it happen. Game time. Game time. That's it. And you have to have a level of trust in, in everybody in order to be able to do that. So, and you've contributed to that, um, that Matt has just sucked you in. <laughs> a job that you you I know I don't want to go work I don't want to go work okay <laughs> okay I'll come no I'm uh, it's, it's it's been a great ride I'm thoroughly enjoying uh what we're doing here and you're you know going back to when this pandemic struck you know the biggest mistake we could make is being silent right so you know getting our face out there to our team encouraging them that we don't know what's going to happen but we know what we're going to do we've been trained for this this is what we do, right? We're we're in shape. We have we have leadership muscles in shape, and we're gonna we're gonna put this stuff to action. So, so, Melissa, I've, I've got to ask you my favorite and final question. What? And you may you may know what that is. If you could write back to that nineteen year old that you started with and talking, and you could you could write her a letter and tell her a few pieces of wisdom that you've learned over the last you know ten or twelve years. What would you have written to that young woman that might give some advice to other young people today that help them on their leadership journey? It's a really challenging question. I love to write letters, right? I think that's important to, to sit down and hand write a letter. So I try to give it a shot to myself, just kind of write myself a letter. And then I started holding, holding true to my simplicity. I would say, number one, uh, first and foremost, that... You are the light and the salt of the earth, meaning when people are encountering you, they need to see what you believe through your actions. So I write myself a letter and say, Melissa, remember that you're the light and the salt of the earth. Let people see what you believe through simply by making an encounter with you. Next thing I would say is to be curious. I think that's really important to be curious. And the third thing I would say is assume positive intent every time. Hey, that's going to help us through Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Even with our family, when someone says, nice car, 
assume positive intent. Assume they really mean nice car. Or, you know, I see your kid dropped out of school his third year of college. Assume positive intent, you know. You want to you assume positive intent. I think that that's a mistake that I made early on, and I really wish I would have had that message that um, if I really look at that person with positive intent, that it changes mm-hmm. the vision. It really does. It changes how I perceive information. Yeah, sure, because uh, we can look at anything that somebody says and, and, and one side say, why would they ask me that? As opposed to positive intent would be, oh, they're, they're curious or they're interested in what's going on in my life, you know, whatever it might be, right? So that's that's great. That's that's great. And I, I love to see what you believe, uh, let people see what you believe through your actions. And that's consistent with what we teach in leadership to write your mission statement, live your mission statement. It's the same thing. And that's the beginning of all development of leadership is the writing of a personal mission statement and knowing who you are, what you stand for, and then being able to live that out and let people see it. Right. That's your roots. That's what we talk about. That's your roots. That's what you would hold true to. So no matter what book you read, no matter what podcast you listen to, no matter what, you know, what you see on, on video, no matter who you encounter, you're not easily swayed one way or the other. You learn and take in and soak in that nourishment, but your roots never change when it goes back to your mission statement. Because if you don't stand for something, you you will fall for anything. That's it. (laughs) Well, and we got to tell you got to tell people what city in Texas you live in because I can't even pronounce it. I tell you, we're supposed to be working on this, Doctor Beer. I know. So I know for you that you that may be listening that you're confused because I have this New York accent, right? (laughs) So. We are centrally located in Nacogdoches, Texas. Nacogdoches, Texas. Nacogdoches, Texas, which is is claimed to be the oldest town in Texas. There you go. There you have. Well, Melissa Wood, I want to thank you for being my guest today and sharing some wisdom, some history, and some laughs as we go through this life. And really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Hey, I enjoyed it. It's not our last visit, I'm sure. I'm Dr. Gary, and we make good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you for listening to today's show on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.